Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. I'm Elena Bennett. I'm the pastor of First Steps. And as we're praying about being available, I um, can't help but think about the shooting that happened on Monday in Highland Park. And I know not a ton of people from Gray's Lake were there, but I know a lot of people from Gray's Lake know people that were there. And this tragedy happened so close to home. And as a church, we, we care about our community. We care about what's going on in the world. And so I just, before we get started in this message, um, will you guys just take a minute with me and let's lift up um, those impacted in Highland Park. Um, those that were there, those that are like, this is just ringing in their minds. Um, those that lost loved ones. Thinking about even just that two-year-old who lost their parents. Um, I don't know how people do it without Jesus, right? <laughs> I don't know how people, how people do it without Jesus. So um, let's lift this up before the Lord. Lord, we, uh, it just takes uh, 60 seconds of the news to know how broken we are and how far we are from you as a society. And we need you. We pray for those that lost loved ones on Monday. We pray that they would, they would hear your truth, that they would cling to you. We pray for needs to be met. We pray for wisdom to know how to help these tragedies end, Lord. We pray that you'd show us as a church how we can be your light in this dark world. In your name I pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, well, I um, Pastor First Steps, Elena, and today we are going to talk about two big things that we get from God's word. God's compassion, which as we're reading the Bible, it is all over the place that God is compassionate to his people and his followers of Jesus. If you are a Christian, we want to live out God's compassion. And then when we read God's word, we also see God's truth. God's truth is all over God's word. And sometimes God's truth is not really what we want to hear. I mean, I'm just speaking from experience, but um, it seems like when we read this, both come hand in hand. And today we're going to specifically talk about God's compassion and God's truth and how it works in the world of being a Christian and homosexuality. And as a church that cares about discipleship, we want to know what God's word has to say about this so that we can lead people towards God's compassion and God's truth. As somebody who, um, just a few months ago, I transitioned to the pastor of First Steps, and before that, I was a youth pastor, and I had students that identified in this community, and they wanted to know, what's this look like if I like people of the same gender? What's this look like? for me to follow Jesus and others who didn't identify in this community, but they wanted to know what would Jesus do about this? And this matters to me because there's people really close to me that, um, that consider themselves gay or lesbian and they don't know Jesus. I'm their example of Jesus, so I want to get this right. But the main thing, the main reason that I wanted to talk about this and kind of figure out how to articulate this is because while I was still a sinner, Jesus saved me. And like my whole life, 
is just a reflection of, yeah, I really need God's compassion and I really need God's truth. I cannot measure up to perfection. I need the gospel. And because of how Jesus has rescued me, I just want to share God's compassion and God's truth with as many people as I can. So a while back, um, I was sitting at Chipotle, praise God for Chipotle, sitting there eating lunch with my friend. And this was like a brother in Christ. We had done a lot of life together. And at this lunch, he shared with me that he was gay. And so we're talking about this. It wasn't like a weird talk. It just like, we were, what's this mean? What's this look like? And one of the questions I asked him was, how are people responding when you're telling them this? And he said, well, they're saying it's not really what they were expecting, but if it makes him happy, that's what they want. Like, that's what they wanted him to be happy. If you were me, what would you be thinking during that conversation? What are things you say as a Christian who wants to show compassion and truth? How does that come across without being judgmental or maybe like not really like knowing what the Bible says about that? What do you say? So this was the predicament I was in. And I, I don't know if you can tell, this is like the tension we have as Christians because God's compassion and truth is all over the place. But if we lean in on just compassion, then we tend to kind of blur the lines of what God says is true and what God says is sin. And if we don't think we're really sinning, then we don't really need a savior. And if you're hearing this and you're like, yeah, that's the problem, we're too compassionate. People need to suck it up, you know, they'll be fine, just follow the God's word. If that's you and that's how you're resonating with this, I just want to encourage you that during this message, Maybe you need to lean a little bit more into God's compassion. And it might be uncomfortable, but it's gonna be totally worth it. The other thing that we might end up doing is just leaning into God's truth. This is what the Bible says. And if we get so focused on the truth, it's gonna become very easy to just point out everybody's sin, not even really see your own sin. The the truth is there so compassion can be revealed. And if as I'm saying this, you're thinking, yeah, that's the problem. We focus too much on the truth. We don't need to say anything. We just need to show God's love. And if that's you, I just want to encourage you as we're going through this message and talking about God's word, maybe you need to lean a little bit more into God's truth. Example, if you are married, you know that your spouse can't read your mind. Amen? Amen. If you think all you need to do is just show God's love but not actually tell them about God's love, they can't read your mind. They don't. There's people that unfortunately are going to hell doing nice things that do that all the time. What makes you different is the reason you're doing these nice things, the reason you're showing compassion is because you got saved and rescued first. So we need to lean into the truth and we need to lean in to the compassion. And if you're like, this is impossible, how do you do this? I understand, it's very hard, but thankfully we have an example of Jesus who all the time showed compassion and truth. If you want any Kate, um, she's helping me out today. You can move that over to the side. He all the time talked about compassion truth. I wanted the whiteboard because I want to be like Carter. No. <laughs> I mean, I just, I needed to use this later. So compassion and truth. Jesus gets it right all the time. Bottom line today, Jesus is the best model of how to love people who are wrestling with sin. So let's look at all the examples we get from God's word. Just kidding. One example, we're going to just go through one example of how Jesus lived out compassion and truth. We're gonna check out John 8, and in it, it says, at dawn he approached, he appeared again in the temple courts while all the people gathered around him, he sat down to teach them. 
it's hard for me to even read this part. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group. And they said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery in the law. Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left. With the women, woman still standing there, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Women, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Wow. There's a lot we can take from this, but one of the main points is truth without compassion and humility sounds condemning. What were these Pharisees doing, right? It says that they, they made her stand before the group. Picture somebody just throwing somebody up here in the middle of um, pointing out their sin, their deepest, darkest secrets. And they said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded, to stone, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? What the Pharisees were doing here is they were trying to make Jesus look like a fool, trying to make him choose between compassion or truth. But Jesus is Jesus. He could do both, but they didn't know that, right? So they're like, we're gonna get him, we're gonna catch him. He's gonna look ridiculous in front of all these people and people are gonna start realizing we're right. See, the thing is, <clears throat> they were correct in that there was a law. Now, they didn't follow it all the way because the law was for the man and the woman. It takes two to tango and they just got the woman and they use her and they humiliate her to prove a point. Like, picture what's going on. People were around listening to Jesus and they throw her out in front of everyone. She's caught in the middle of adultery. So what is she wearing? Like, what kind of state of mind do you think she's in? I, I would be scared for my life. And they're using her because they don't care about her. They want to prove a point. And I'm guessing everything's quiet as their, their eyes are on Jesus because what's he going to do? Is he going to choose compassion or is he going to choose truth? The Pharisees were right in what they were saying, but they were wrong about why God had the law. God's law was not there to condemn people. And as Christians who want to follow God's truth, part of the reason we have a hard time talking about God's truth is we don't want to sound condemning either. That's what I was thinking at Chipotle. Like, I don't know what to say. I don't want to sound judgmental. There's a book I read called Messy Grace by Caleb Haldenbach. I, was, I like went over that. Now I'm messing it up, but Messy Grace, great book. And in it, he shares how he um, was, sorry, I get distracted, saw a picture. So I have to go like, ready, set, go. Back to what we were talking about. Um, when he was a kid, he, uh, like two, like really young, his parents got divorced. And his mom um, got into a re relationship with another woman pretty quickly. And his dad came out as gay when he was a little bit older. So he didn't grow up with the traditional mom and dad. And as he was growing up, he really had this idea that Christians hated him. And he had good reason to think this because some of the examples of Christians hated his parents, really, but is what he thought. 
And some of the examples of Christians that he had in his life were Christians that would stand after a pride parade holding up signs that said, you'll burn in hell and Jesus has no room for you. That was like his picture of Christianity. So when he was older, in high school, he heard about a Bible study that the high schoolers were doing and he shows up as a ninja Christian, he called himself, because he wanted to go there and kind of learn about what they believed and then he was gonna attack their beliefs, show them how they're all wrong. But he says, I wasn't so sure of the things I once believed. The worldview I had come to attack was not what I thought. The Jesus of the Bible was very different from the portrayal of some of the people that reflected him, some of his followers. He said, Jesus was somebody who was kind, loving, and yet still told the truth. And so he kept going to this Bible study, not so much as a ninja Christian, but as a curious seeker. And he ends up starting to go to a church that was nearby, and he realized there was a stark contrast between the Christians that were at the end of this pride parade and the ones that he was going to church with. He got so convinced and overwhelmed by the love of Jesus that when he was in high school, he decided to become a Christian. He made Jesus the leader of his life and the forgiver of his sins. And he understood as he continued to look at God's word that this meant he actually needed to be more loving to his parents. So when he told his parents that he was now a Christian, um, there was some tension. He, there was like, well, what do you believe now about marriage? And he would like talk about, well, I, I think God made it between man and woman now. And that caused some tension, but it did not ruin the relationship because there was compassion. Caleb says, the gospel isn't about who you are against. It's about who, the gospel isn't about who God is against. It's about who God is for. Christianity and homosexuality can only be talked about, identified, and processed with truth and compassion. Last week, Carter talked about how we should just move every obstacle out of the way so that we can just leave people with Jesus. But how does that look on a Monday? How does that look when we're having conversations with people that we really love and they're sharing with us that, that now they, that they're gay or they're lesbian, you're having these conversations. And some of the points that I really liked that Caleb gave was when you're having these conversations, don't look disappointed. Don't look, get mad. Don't throw out all these Bible verses. Don't compare sins. Affirm your relationship with them. He gives a story about this guy named Matt who was kind of given up on church and he decided I'll try it one more time. So he gets involved. He starts making some friends and um, he gets close enough to, with them that he thinks they're tight enough where he can share his homosexual attractions. And the night they had that conversation and he shares this, his friends got all weird. They started acting disappointed and throwing out Bible verses. That following Sunday, they were nowhere to be found at church. They did the opposite of compassion. What's compassion? Compassion is, all right, let's figure this out together. I'm with you. Let's go to Jesus. <clears throat> Caleb would remind you that just because you have same-sex attractions doesn't mean that you're practicing homosexuality. It doesn't mean you've fallen into this temptation and now you're in some, some box outside of God's will. I wanna get this right. <clears throat> it's acting on temptation, that's the sin. Everyone is tempted. Jesus was tempted. The difference is Jesus didn't allow that temptation to turn into a sin. He didn't make choices that were outside of God's will. When people are sharing with you some of their most in, inner personal thoughts, we need to work on dignifying them, understanding that that must have been difficult. 
We live in a society where people believe their sexuality defines them. And so if they're telling you about this, it's a big deal. And I want to just be really clear because there's like, I feel like the devil just has these lies that if you are following Jesus and you have same-sex attraction, then you're like second class according to straight people. And that's like the dumbest thing in the world. That's not true. It's just not true. You're not second class. You're not dirty. You, we need you as the church. When you're sharing with your brothers and sisters in Christ, hey, this is what it's going through, all we're supposed to do is just put your hand back in Jesus. All right, we'll help you walk through this. Just like we would hope our homosexual brothers and sisters who are following Jesus would do for their straight brothers and sisters as they are dealing with their sexual desires that do not align with God's word. We need each other in this. And I understand because I've talked to people and it's like, but they don't understand. Like, I can never actually like pursue that relationship. And I get if you are straight, you, you don't have that understanding. But that's why we listen and that's why we talk and that's why we get close and tight. So what do we know from scripture? Truth without compassion and humility sounds condemning. And the second thing is, <clears throat> compassion and empathy without love, truth is fake love. So in John 8, it said that the Pharisees were, were waiting for Jesus' response, right? We left it where everything was quiet. Jesus bent down, he starts writing in the sand. We don't know what he was writing. Could have been like the Ten Commandments. And then Jesus gets up after they're like, what are you gonna say, what are you gonna say? But Jesus says, well, let any one of you who was without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And then it, it talks about how the oldest one left first. They've sinned longer, you know, maybe that's why. We don't know. But they all left her. No one was left. Jesus says, then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Love tells the truth. First Corinthians says, love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. See, little background, the Pharisees and Jesus both would have been aware of the Old Testament commandments in Exodus 20 and Leviticus 20, where it shares what sexual sin is. And if there's a two or three witnesses that have said, yeah, they did this, I saw it, then there could be punishment for it. But because all the Pharisees had left, there were no more witnesses. It was just Jesus and her in a crowd waiting in anticipation for what Jesus was gonna say. So Jesus followed the law, God's truth, and he showed compassion through his response, all in the same response. Jesus found a way to show God's justice of truth and compassion of mercy, and he stayed in the tension of both truth and compassion, which allowed this woman to experience true freedom because it wasn't blurring on one side, doing both. God's love cannot be fully experienced if truth and compassion are not both known. So what does the Bible say about homosexuality? Now, I'm not gonna go on a rant. That's not the point of this. The point is to talk about like, how do we handle this as Christians? Not gonna go on a rant, and you don't have to accept what I'm gonna say, but I would be doing you a disfavor if I didn't share some of, there's more, but some of the scripture where we find this. In Leviticus 18, it says, do not have sexual relations with a man as one does with a woman, that is detestable. And then in the New Testament, it says in Romans, that is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even women turned against the natural way to have sex again, and instead indulged in sex with each other. 
And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered with, them, in, with themselves the penalty they deserved. And I want to note the word natural here means God's created order, not what comes natural to you. So what's God's created order? Well, according to the Old Testament and the New Testament, God's created order is for sex to be between a man and a woman in the covenant of marriage. First Corinthians says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Even with our sexuality, we can worship and honor God and experience his ultimate happiness by keeping him first in our lives. So it would kind of make sense that the devil would try to distort our thinking on that and whisper all these lies. What are some of the lies he whispers? One, my feelings are my identity. Feelings can be fleeting, and they can, they don't always, but they can convince you to sin. They convince Adam and Eve to sin. They convince you and I to sin. Feelings are great followers in life, but they don't have authority of your life. We as Christians take our feelings and we put them to God's word. Okay, Lord, should I pursue this or should I lay this down at the cross? Like, I'm just gonna do what you tell me to do. God's word takes authority. And when those feelings come up, again, it's not sin. It's acting on anything that's coming against God's word. Second lie that can happen is my desires are the most important thing in my life. Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure, which is Incredibly depressing. So we keep reading the Bible. Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and what will he do? He will show you which path to take. When we follow God's word, we follow the first commandment. We keep God first. He's going to, like Jesus said, keep your burden light and the yoke is easy. Like he's going to give rest for your soul. He's going to bring you the ultimate happiness. We keep God first. We identify with him before our desires. Rachel Gilson wrote Born Again This Way, and in it she writes about how she was a lesbian student at Yale in the early 2000s. And there's a lot more to her story, but she ended up stealing the book Mere Christianity from her friend's bookshelf, and she was reading it, and she decided, I gotta get saved. (laughs) So she became a Christian. And after she got saved, she didn't fully understand why God thought homosexuality was wrong. She had all these reasons why it was good. But the question that kept ringing through her thoughts was, will I trust him even if I don't understand? Because she said, it turns out, if I'm only willing to obey God when I understand and agree, then maybe God is not my God, but I am my God. When she would read the Bible, it was really clear to her that Sex was supposed to be between a man and a woman. And she studied the Latin and Greek. She found God still said no. So the question still remained, would she trust God? Rachel is still attracted to women today, but she's left that lifestyle because she's choosing to trust God with her identity and not her desires. That wasn't an easy decision. It wasn't a decision that came right when she got saved. It took a community of Christians that just kept walking her back to God's word, walking her back to God's word. 
The question is the same for you and I. Even when we don't understand, will we agree? And will we teach the next generation to follow God's word, even if they don't feel like it? So what did I say at Chipotle? As I was sitting there talking with my friend, I probably said a lot because I can talk. And also, I wasn't looking at it like this big confession. I was looking at it like he was showing me what he was attracted to, and I just wanted to leave him with Jesus. So I remember one of the things I said was, I don't want you to settle for just what makes you happy. I want you to have God's best. Don't settle for anything less than that. And it was personal because I'd been doing youth ministry for a while, and I had seen a lot of people that just did what made them happy in the moment, and it always left them unfulfilled in the end. It always left them unsatisfied in the end, and it always hurt other people in the process. I worked with a lot of teens whose parents just did what made them happy, and it left some of them coming home to one or no parent because of their parents' decision. So I live this life not so you could just be happy. I live this life so that you can know Jesus who will make you the most happy because he's right. So what do we do? Anna Kate, I need the whiteboard back. What do we do? <laughs> Thank you. Um, to live out God's compassion and his truth. We already talked about how Jesus is the ultimate example of how we're going to know how to do this. So what I'm going to suggest is in order to live out God's compassion and truth, we're going to keep Jesus as the center of all we do. This is me, this is God. Obviously I didn't write that because it's not my nice handwriting. <clears throat> um, had somebody else do that. Okay, so this is you, this is God, compassion and truth. Kind of like a seesaw, right? Like we're always trying to do both, not pick one or the other. And the best example that we have who lives this out is Jesus. So as we take our steps in life, as we make our choices in life, we are looking to what Jesus did. We're looking at what God's word did. That's how we're gonna know how to go to God. If we don't keep our eyes on here, if we don't keep our eyes on Jesus, you know what's gonna happen? You're all the way over here in Mars. Like you're nowhere near the story that God had for you and the story that God wanted to use you to bring others to him. We live in a society where they make you think you have to choose compassion or truth. They can believe that. As Christians, we know we don't have to because Christianity is true because of what Jesus did, right? We are never going to be good enough to make it to heaven. So thank the Lord we have Jesus. So we need his truth and we need his compassion and we get to live that out to other people. Rachel would remind you guys, Rachel, the girl that stole the book, um, who wrote Mere Christianity, she, I think it's funny that she stole the book. I'm not making fun of that, um, but I kind of did. So sorry about that. Ready to get set, go. Rachel, who wrote, again, Born Again This Way, would remind you, the church, that if we want to bring people towards God and we want to show them Jesus, we need to have patience with each other. Like, people aren't going to get this right away. Because think about it, you don't get this right away. And for those of you who have been following Jesus for a while, I just want to encourage you, one of the best things you can do to bring people towards God's word is to be vulnerable with them. Sometimes we think we gotta be a good example. And if we make that our focus, I gotta follow all these rules, I gotta do this, this, then it's going to just be easy to judge people and not really understand the compassion and truth part. If you make your life more about, I just wanna be real that Jesus saved me and look at what he did, you're going to allow people to actually just 
understand, oh, like it's not because you have it all figured out, it's because of Jesus. Jesus rescued you, maybe he could rescue me too. Let's be vulnerable with the next generation. Let's be real with them as we disciple them. The doctor who tells their patient, the doctor who tells their patient that their cancer, cancer isn't terminal when it really is, isn't showing them love, right? They're not showing them compassion, they're showing them fake love, it's not honest. The dentist who tells their patient, you can eat all the candy you want, that's a lie, it's not really gonna impact the cavities, that's not true. When my dentist told me that I should stop having sugar in my coffee, I almost cried, I almost addicted. Um, But she was right, she was right and it was what I needed to hear. To my gay friends listening, when a Christian tells you they believe in the Bible, and they think Jesus is okay with your same-sex relationship, what they're doing is not showing you God's love. They're almost showing you that they fear you more than they love you because they wanna tell you what you wanna hear, not what God's word says. And for those that get this, we understand the truth and compassion of this. Just like the doctor wouldn't open the door and be like, the cancer is terminal. Like, we wouldn't do that. We don't need to make a spectacle of our beliefs. We follow God's leading with truth and compassion for what to do. And here's what's happening if you do this. There's not a lot of black and white answers to questions. What do I do if they do this? What do I do if I'm invited to a wedding that's for the gay couple? What do I do? You bring it before the Lord. You bring it before God's truth. You say, Lord, how do I show compassion? How do I let them know their need for you? How do I let them, like, what do I do? You bring it before the Lord. If you find yourself being attracted to people of the same sex and you're a follower of Jesus, I just want you to know, you're family here. We love you. Everyone here has sexual things they're dealing with. We do not have a perfect relationship with our desires. To our gay members at Fierce, you are loved. You are first class. You You don't have to get this right tomorrow. None of us are gonna get this right tomorrow. That's why we have the gospel We are all working out our broken sexuality one choice at a time. And Pastor Mark and myself, we are here for you. We won't make it weird. We just wanna do life with you. Having a perfect track record is not the goal. If somebody came here and they were struggling with greed and they they made decisions, they fell into the temptation and they made decisions that were greedy, we wouldn't be like, they're out. No, we'd be like, all right, you confess that. Let's bring it before the Lord. Jesus died for that. Now take his forgiveness and let's go live in his freedom. Your goal is not perfection. We make our goal focusing on Jesus's truth and his compassion one step at a time. We are here for you and we think Jesus is going to make you the most happy. And for my brothers and sisters in Christ who don't struggle with same-sex attraction, may your words, the jokes you make, the jokes you laugh at, what you say, how you describe people, may it show God's authentic love and truth. You never know who's listening. You don't know what kind of kids are around. They're like, oh, that's funny. That's what I describe people. No, no, no. We wanna live our life to dignify how God made everyone in his image. You may be neighbors and coworkers or classmates with people that have homosexual desires And you may be the prayer, the answer to prayers that are being prayed that they would understand God's love. Don't miss it because you're off over here or you're off over here. Just keep Jesus the focus. Keep God's word the focus. Compassion and truth 
cause attention Christians need to balance in order to exhibit God's love as followers of Jesus in our everyday lives. I wanna end with this story from Beckett Cook who wrote Change of Affection. And in it, he wrote about how he was living the gay lifestyle. He was an atheist, he was rich, he was popular in none other than good old LA. But like Ecclesiastes was saying, even though that stuff made him happy, it wasn't satisfying him. So he found himself one Sunday morning at the last place he thought he'd ever go, Reality, L, Reality LA in Hollywood, a church. The pastor preached on Romans 7, and as he listened, he took in every word. It was like he was hearing the gospel for the first time. He was sitting on the edge of his seat. And when he got home, he decided to make Jesus the leader of his life and the forgiver of his sin. And for Beckett Cook, he understood now that his identity was in Christ. And so he decided he wasn't going to date men anymore. And you wanna know what he thought? He thought, that's okay because I found Jesus. Jesus is worth it. Jesus loved us perfectly right where we were at while we were sinners. Fierce Jesus gives us the pattern that we have to follow in order to love people with compassion and truth right where they are. We're gonna continue to have people in our lives that we care about, we care about deeply, but they're not comfortable with what the Bible says is true. And so what we gotta do is get better and better and better and better at demonstrating compassion and empathy and humility while still practicing Jesus's truth. This is the only way we have to love people. And it's one choice at a time. Let's follow, follow the pattern of Jesus because he rescued you. He rescued me. Will you pray with me? Lord, we're humbled by how you showed us your truth and compassion. May we humbly live out the fact that we get to go to heaven because of Jesus. May we only be confident in that, that you saved us, you loved us, and may we represent your light and your truth and your love to our community. May we see people the way you do May we want to fight for them so that they know you. Help us get rid of any obstacles that are in the way. Thank you, Lord, that you would use us to do this. In your name I pray. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible-preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being His witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development-related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.